0: The cannabis packaging market will be split between regular packaging and sustainable packaging. But our assumption is that it will be one of the pioneering industries of sustainable packaging just because it is a new and emerging industry that skews progressive. And we have an incredibly unique opportunity to try and implement these sustainable and circular packaging systems from the ground up while we're still developing
1: From MJ Bulls Media, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on Raising Cannabis Capital, we are joined by James Eschner and Ron Bassick Smith from Santa Packaging. James and Ron, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Well, it's great to have you guys on again. We first met when you and Ron were guests on the Deadhead Cannabis Show. And since then, I got to tell you, it's like everybody I talk to, everybody I interview is, oh yeah, where are you Santa packaging? I <laughs> so didn't know about you before. And then it was like, right afterwards, it was like, well, how didn't I know about these guys? Because it's a lot of the companies that we're interviewing are using your product, which is just goes to show you what, how The industry is really embracing this idea, and we're going to get into this as we go. But let's start off by talking about the problem. How bad is the current global waste crisis?
0: The short answer is terrible. It's more difficult when you try to narrow it down specifically to the cannabis industry just because it's still relatively difficult to come upon reliable data for the cannabis industry. What we are sure of is that the industry in the United States is already producing billions of units of packaging waste per year. And that's just based off of how much product we know is being sold. But if we're talking about waste in general, I believe that over the last 50 years or so, it's been something like 8.3% billion metric tons of waste that's been created but I would have to double check that.
1: That's that's insane. That's insane. And a huge contributor to this is in packaging. Like most of that packaging that's in whatever you buy ends up in landfills or in the ocean. So talk about how your packaging is correcting this problem.
2: Yeah, I think for us the big thing that we're trying to accomplish is integrate circularity into the products. One of the things that we can look towards is trying to reduce the overall amount of material that we're using. We can design it to fit into a system. And then we can also work on regenerating our natural systems. And the big thing that we see right now is the system that currently is designed for waste and recycled products isn't really designed to Mm -hmm. be a successful system, right? Like it's inherently designed to fail and that's come to light, right? That's just the problem with the way that we relied on markets solely to get rid of our waste and pollution, and I think now we're coming to the point where there's these negative externalities. And so, as a company, we're really trying to just t- tick away all the things that we see in the world of packaging, in the world of single-use materials that we can do to help reinvent the system. And so, part of that is the materials we're going to use, and then the other part of that is also within the cannabis space. How can we use this new and evolving industry to be a catalyst for some systematic change, whether that be a reduction in product used, new materials, or just showing that there are people out there and companies out there that, that do care about the impact of the the packaging.
1: Yeah. I had a, a guest on ocean cannabis company. They were on our show for a while back. They were using your packaging and they were talking about using reclaimed ocean plastic. Now, for the people that didn't hear that show, maybe, James, if you could explain what reclaimed ocean plastic is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The simplest way to put it is it's plastic waste collected either from the ocean directly or on its way to the ocean, so ocean bound. Okay. So there's five primary collection areas for reclaimed ocean plastic, and that goes everywhere from ocean bound, which is um, within 50 kilometers of the ocean. Then there's waterways, then there's shoreline, then there's near shore, and then there's deep sea. So, depending on the type of reclaimed ocean plastic you're using, it typically comes from those different collection areas. So, for instance, uh, a material like HDPE, uh, which is a material that we use around 90% of the deep sea plastic that is collected for reuse is HDPE just because that plastic floats. Okay. And and then of course it, it comes from different places around the world depending on who's collecting it and, and whatnot. But really these are just materials that we choose to view ultimately as a stranded resource, Mm -hmm. meaning that there's an abundance of it out there in the environment. And just like we use any other resource, this is out there available for us to collect and use. And in our minds, it makes no sense to use a virgin material when that material is already in existence, in abundance, polluting our environment. And by recapturing it and using it, not only can we put it back into the marketplace, but ultimately we can put it back into the proper waste stream at the end of its useful life.
1: You see these horrible stories of sea turtles with straws in their nose. It's just heartbreaking. and th- th- This is an opportunity for us to get rid of that and, and move. What did you refer to it as, Ron? A circular?
2: Yes. a Circular economy, right? Like just when currently these, way way we're looking at things yeah. is very linear that take way, waste dispose. Model. And I think that the big thing is that you're bringing to light like the image that everyone's seen of, of turtles with straws in their nose and those types of things that grip us. But really, at the end of the day, if we don't change the system and actually make sure that these things aren't happening and getting out into the environment in the first place and actually valuing the material and valuing our environment, obviously these things will continue to happen, right? Like James is saying, we're taking this material and making tubes. Hopefully, it ends up back in the right waste system. But there's a potential that our tubes could end up back yeah. in the, the ocean again, and so this is the reality of what we're trying to work with and bring these things to light, have conversations about it, and make sure that the the more awareness there is to these larger systematic problems, we have a potential to. Yeah, and, them if, down the road. and I think
1: like moving forward, if we start using different materials, and I've seen on your website that you're using 100 percent plant-based hemp plastic on some of your products, that seems like the goal. Like we want to move towards that eventually. Is that pretty effective? And if, are you using that in a lot of products now?
0: Yeah. So we currently have seven products on the market, soon to be eight. Three of them are hemp plastic products and the other four, soon to be five, are reclaimed ocean plastic products. And while we are ultimately material agnostic as a company, meaning that we want to always be using what we believe to be the most sustainable materials available and the materials that lend themselves best to a circular economy. But with that in mind, the way we're looking at hemp plastic and reclaimed ocean plastic is two different but complementary philosophies and approaches to packaging. So what the plant-based hemp plastic represents is the direction we need to be moving in. We need to be moving in the direction of using rapidly renewable and regenerative resources to create single-use products like packaging. But at the same time, when we're trying to address these global problems like packaging waste, we need incentives and reasons and ways to clean the environment. And so by using reclaimed ocean plastic, while we're not using plant-based materials there, we are creating an incentive for our environment to be cleaned through the collection of this plastic and the reintroduction of it to the marketplace where it can hopefully be then used over and over until finally at the end of its useful life, it can't be used anymore. So it's two different, but complementary ways of addressing the same problem.
1: And with the plant-based hemp plastic. That's just biodegradable. So if you were to put that in a landfill, eventually it's just gone.
2: It's really interesting. The short answer is yes, it is a biodegradable product, but that's a word that we are trying to move away from and eliminate from our vernacular because there's no real definition around what is biodegradable. And also in many cases, you actually don't want biodegradable (laughs) products going into a landfill. So one of the bigger issues with landfills that's largely not talked about and why we need to compost food and other materials that break down is because when those materials break down in a landfill, they actually release methane and methane-like carbon is causing the climate change that we are trying to eliminate. And so these are these things that like when we really get down to the nitty-gritty of it, it, it goes back to that original thing that we're talking about is the waste system and how we are poorly informed about it, poorly educated about it, misinformed about it. And then now we need to bring back some of the realities of what's
1: actually happening. Man, I didn't know that. I'm glad you said that to me. That makes sense. I just never really thought that much about it. Like I said, a bunch of the companies that we've interviewed are using your packaging. And almost more important, they're promoting the fact that they're using your packaging. I read on your website that you have nearly 400 customers. So clearly the industry is embracing sustainability. Let's go fast forward over, say, the next five years. How big do you project the cannabis sustainable packaging market will be?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a great question that we try to wrap our heads around a lot because like the taking it to another point is like defining what is sustainable mm-hmm. packaging and what that actually looks like for the marketplace and who defines what is and isn't considered sustainable packaging. And we're seeing more and more movement towards sustainable packaging in the cannabis space. James, do you have anything else to, to hit on there? Yeah. So
0: looking at the packaging market and what we're moving towards and what we have to look forward to in the future is the global packaging market is already a trillion-dollar global market, and that's all packaging. Okay. And within that, the sustainable packaging market by 2025 is expected to represent a 117 billion segment of that trillion-dollar market. Again, this is a macro look at The entire sustainable packaging market it's difficult to know how much of the cannabis packaging market will be split between regular packaging and sustainable packaging but our assumption is that it will be one of the pioneering industries of sustainable packaging just because it is a new and emerging industry that skews progressive and we have an incredibly unique opportunity to try and implement these sustainable and circular packaging systems from the ground up while we're still developing these best practices. Yeah,
1: that's the key right now because like you said, these are new companies. There's no legacy relationships with their packaging companies that they've been working with 50 years and they're saying, try this new idea. These are brand new companies and they're like, if we're going to do packaging, why not do it the right way? So I I think you're onto something and and what really excites me is... We're not talking millions. We're talking billions just in the cannabis alone. And as a leader, as the first mover, it's challenging to keep that position. And it's going to cost a lot of money to maintain and expand this lead. Are you guys raising money?
0: We are. We're currently in the midst of a capital raise that will be closing later this month. So if you're interested in learning more about that, please reach out to us. But we're in an incredibly fortunate position this year in 2020 to not be fundraising to keep the lights on because we started cresting into profitability in February of this year. So every month since February, we're either a few thousand in the red or black depending on the month. Yeah. And so really the point of our fundraise and the vast majority of our use of funds goes towards product development. So growing and scaling and maintaining that competitive edge.
1: Yeah, Man, that's exciting. (laughs) Going from losing money to making money is is great. But like I said, you can't sit on your laurels. This is going to be a really competitive environment, especially for cannabis. A lot of cannabis companies are going to want to go this route. I'm going to have links to Santa Packaging in the show notes. And so if you want to learn more about their company, what they're doing, if you want to buy their packaging, or if you want to talk to them about in- investing, I'm sure Ron or James would be happy to talk to you, answer any of your questions. Just click the links. Ron, James, this is good to catch up. I'm really excited for you guys. And thanks. You know, I really appreciate what you're doing for the environment, for our industry. I'm glad your business is doing well, but I'm also glad that what you're doing is, is making a big difference. So thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having us.